My name is Tim Barkholtz. I work for ExxonMobil, and I'm working on technology for CO2 capture. At ExxonMobil, we're working on a range of solutions, including a new way to capture carbon at natural gas power plants. Learn more at energyfactor.com. Lift and peeved. Lift and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I'm the word. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real one. I don't use it. Not in your vocab? Down to dog. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck, for part of DailyThunder.com, also Almighty Baller Radio. And this Wednesday, we will be on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time. So we'll be on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock. So if you're in your car and you have Dash Radio in your car, you can listen to us there. You can listen to us on your phone. So we'll be on a live radio feed there. With me today, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? That's great. A few days and we all see this team rolling. So I'm really excited about that. Yes, Thursday night. They play the New York Knicks here at home. I think it's on TNT. Uh, I can't believe that the season is finally here. I still have a hard time believing that Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are on this team. Uh, But they'll be there on Thursday night. Uh, So here's the flow of this particular show. I want our listeners to know that we're going to preview the games of the week on Mondays, and we're also going to talk about the games that had happened in the previous week and talk any sort of stat or a trend that really just anything about those games and how the Thunder are looking. And so this is just a great way for you, the listener, to preview the week and kind of catch up on anything you missed. So that's what this kind of the purpose of this show will be. And Michele is incredible with stats and things like that and really knowledgeable about the game. So he's going to be a perfect person to kind of handle this kind of role. So we got to talk about something before we talk about previewing these games, Michele, and it's that Isaiah Cannon and more importantly, Samaj Christian are not on the Thunder and likely will not be on the Thunder. Uh, I've heard from... I can't figure out if he can sign a two-way deal or not. I've heard yes and I've heard no. So I don't know if they will do that. Uh, but he won't be, he's not going to play this season. So <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. So I, I think that Canon cannot sign it because of, uh, his experience in the league. Right. I think after three years, you, uh, being a pro, you cannot sign it away. I, I think that Samaj can, or at least that was what I heard. And, uh, I was a little surprised that they didn't give him a uh, contract to him. Mm-hmm. like the two-way contract. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised about the cut. I was almost sure that was going to happen because it made too much sense to, A, leave a roster spot open for like buyouts and stuff like that and to save money because really Samaj should not play and so wasting a million uh, and like luxury tax money on a guy that you should not play uh, it's a smart move by 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 Presti because I think that uh, if Samaj uh, was available uh, I probably believe like on random night we, we would have seen him on the court for like no reason at all so I, I, I really love that for, uh, by, by Presti yeah Billy really likes him 
He's, yeah, he really likes him. I don't. Uh, I. I mean, if you're listening to my show, you know that I don't get it. Like, I just haven't. I don't understand why he likes him. Uh, but he's not on the squad anymore. They saved a bunch of luxury tax dollars, like you said, and uh, they're going to move forward with an open spot, which I think is smart. Uh, don't fall for like yesterday um, or Saturday was basically wave day where they waved everybody, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's a bunch of guys that came on the market. Here's what you need to know about most of those guys. They're not really any good. Like, those are the guys yeah. that did not make an NBA roster. A lot of people are asking, oh, should they sign Kendrick Perkins? Should they go pick up Anthony Morrow? Should they do... Like, he, the answer is no to all these guys. And even, like, Monte Ellis is still out there. Uh, there's a reason these guys are available, you know, Octo- on October 16th. Like, it's because NBA teams don't want them. And the Thunder are waiting for somebody that can actually help them down the road. And... Talk about saving luxury tax dollars. This, if they just keep the spot open and sign somebody in March, like that mm-hmm. saves them quite a bit of money. Yeah. So I would expect to see something like that, or maybe they will do a two for one trade because they've done a lot of two for ones themselves. Maybe they'll do a two for one trade. Uh, I think Daniel Hamilton, they seemed at least moderately comfortable with him being like your third string point guard who can come in and play next to Paul George where he's not really a point guard. Um, but he's just a, a guy that can be out there on the wing and at least attempt to defend somebody. So mm. um, I, I expect that to be the case. And if Felton like can't go, then they'll probably bring Hamilton up. Or maybe they'll just let Paul George run the second unit as the quote-unquote point guard. Uh, I, I think they have a lot of options here. Yeah. And you don't need a traditional third point guard at this point. No, especially you don't need a bad one. So right. I, uh, <laughs> like, like if you have like the, the luxury of having like a very good uh, third string point guard, why not? But uh, wasting money on, on Christian, I don't, I don't see that. I, I know why he, he, he plays under Billy because he loves guys that play hard yeah. and uh, uh, he, he does that. Uh, it's not efficient. It's not effective in doing so, not even on defense. But um, I see why Billy loves him, and I see why Billy loves him. For example, loves Jeremy Grant instead of um, uh, Josh Eustis because it is it's look like it is look like uh, they play harder, yeah. and so Billy loves that, which is understandable actually. Yeah, I think that they, to me, they seem more reckless than a guy yeah. like Eustis because yeah, Eustis is more. And Houston can be really tentative. We've only seen very limited minutes of him. But in the mm-hmm. D-League and, and in Summer League, everywhere, he's a little bit hesitant. This is something Matt yep. Craig has pointed out because Matt was at Summer League and watched him a lot. That He, oh, he, made, he made great points about, yeah. about uh, Josh in the last show. Yeah, he's a little hesitant. And so that I think that that can appear to be that he's not quite as active. But... Man, I I don't know. We've talked a lot about this. I think that Josh deserves a shot and deserves a shot at the 10th spot, not deserves a shot at, like, you know, having 20 minutes a game or anything like that. But um, I'll be interested to see. That's one thing to watch for. If you're watching these games, especially these three teams, the Knicks, the Jazz, and Minnesota, they all play really big. And... I don't know if Patterson's going to be able to go. My assumption is that, yeah, he'll probably play. Uh, but still, you're counting on a guy that played like no minutes at center last year for the Raptors mm-hmm. um, to be your center. And then they, and, and this is also where you're going to see, does Nick Collison play at all this season? Because if he doesn't play against the Knicks, the Jazz, or Minnesota right off the bat, uh, he's probably not going to play. 
uh, because those are three teams that rely on a lot of bigs. I'd like to thank Andy's Frozen Custard for sponsoring today's show. If you haven't been to Andy's Frozen Custard, that means that you haven't had the best custard in the United States of America. It's so good. My wife and I went the other night. We got the Andy's Ozark Turtle. It has their uh, vanilla frozen custard along with uh, hot fudge, cream caramel, roasted pecans, and a cherry on top. Ooh, so good. Uh, you got to go get their pumpkin pie concrete. So they take an actual piece of pie, they put it in their custard, blend it all up. So delicious. They have great concretes. Their sundaes are good. Uh, just getting it. Uh, the custard on a cone is good. They make their custard Every hour, you can even watch it being made through the window. My kids will go with me, and they'll just watch the custard being made, and they're kind of amazed by it. It's so good. You can go to locations uh, in Oklahoma City. If you live here in the city, uh, there's one on Expressway in MacArthur. There's one out on 150th and Penn. Uh, They have one in Tulsa, in Dallas, up in Missouri, you can go to Andy's. Several locations. They're all so good. Uh, the one at 150th and Penn here in Edmond, uh, you can go inside. Most of the locations are just outside, but this one, you can go inside and order and hang out inside. So if it's too cold, a lot of people are like, I don't want to eat ice cream when it's cold. Uh, you're going to want to eat Andy's when it's cold because it is just that good. So go check out Andy's frozen custard today. It is the very best frozen custard Get that pumpkin pie concrete or get an Ozark turtle. They are delicious. You can start previewing the next game. Uh, I think Canner starts. And then is Joachim Noah healthy going into the season? Do we know that? Uh, I'm not sure he's healthy. I'm sure he's under suspension. So he will not play. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so uh, he will not be a problem. I don't think that Ennis will start, or at least uh, it's not entirely obvious to me, um, because uh, I don't kind of I don't like the the fit with uh, with Kristaps Porzingis. Well, I I like for the the offense. Um, I saw like a preseason game against uh, the Nets. Uh, which basically was the only one where all the, the the players of New York were available. And the rotation was like Kylo Quinn and Porzingis as the starters, and then Kenner was the first pick off the bench. So I wonder if that is the... Um, a rotation that they will use. Um, it makes sense because you, you have defense on your starting unit and then you give Ennis the usual role. And they, yeah. they were even using him in the same way that OKC did um, last winter. So giving him the ball in the post and let him create for himself or others um, with outlet passes and stuff like that. So I think that this could be a way to go. And we also have to see if Porzingis will play because uh, it seems um, not sure for the first game maybe maybe for okc yes uh, they have back-to-back uh, i think that would be kind of a bummer to uh, mm-hmm. not have poor singus and okc <laughs> on night one um another guy hernan gomez uh oh yeah is another guy that is huge like this is, he's almost seven feet tall um i i wonder if he'll play or if he he could be the starter because you're right o'quinn is serviceable uh, Hernan Gomez is good. Uh, Joachim Noah obviously is suspended, so he won't play. Um, and then you have Canner. Like they've get, they just have a ton of big guys. Yeah. And, and if I'm New York, I'm doing what you're saying. I'm waiting until Stephen Adams is off the floor, and then I'm throwing Canner in there because who who in the world is going to defend him on the block? Like he'll he'll be able to score at will. There'll be have to be a lot of help, and you'll also be able to see is he making any reads with the second unit? Because if he's not, then you just smother him um, mm-hmm. because he. 
I mean, he really struggled toward the end of the season, but he had he had points where he was, you know, obviously passing the ball well. But uh, then you just smother him if you have Josh or Jeremy Grant or Patrick Patterson or whoever guarding him in the post. Then you just have to smother, you have to smother him with a double team. Um, yeah, and I think that for for this very reason, Denver was a good way to end the, the preseason yeah. for KC mm-hmm. because they. Basically, they play big for large chunks of minutes. And I think that the defense that they play against Denver was really encouraging um, from this point of view because they, with the first unit, they were switching a lot. And Steven Adams did a great job on... um, uh, Jokic yeah. and Jokic is maybe the best offensive player uh, at that position or like in the top three uh, yeah. in that role uh, if we count like healthy Embiid probably and um, so I think that this that, that was a good test and um and Steven was great, and but also with the second unit, they they were swarming Denver with like a lot of switches, a lot of athleticism. So I think that they have an advantage um, playing New York because they are more athletic. Uh, and yes, they don't have the same size, but I think that uh, the second unit can hold, especially if, as you said, they they double team Ennis uh, on the block and they. They try to at least cover the strong side. I don't see Ennis making any weak side passes. So, uh, like, it is guardable if you can handle uh, with a double team on the post. Yeah, and something that will be interesting is if Porzingis does play, who who guards Porzingis at that point? Like, do you put, oh. put Adams on him? Do you put Paul George on him? What do you, What do you think they do? Well, I uh, the the Nets game was very interesting because uh, they they were guarding Porzingis with Rondé Ollis Jefferson, huh. and yeah, it, it was really really interesting because it, it was mildly successful. Uh, so basically, Porzingis wasn't abusing, which is what you expect from a regular defender on Porzingis, and so. I think that guarding him with Paul George and make switches if he screens, even with Anthony, I think it is a good choice. I won't start Adams on him uh, because A, you risk Adams to be in foul trouble uh, very soon because he will probably, uh, well, I don't know, actually, I, because probably like Porzingis will try to, to, to bring him out uh, to the three-point line. So I, I think that the best way is to start George or Anthony on him and then try to see if you want to switch a lot and then it, it makes really no difference who starts on him. Uh, but I, I won't try uh, Adams as a first uh, on him because you want maybe you want to guard to use Adam as your ring protector yeah. and uh, giving him like a, a maybe a, a guy like O'Queen or Anna Garments that are more close to the basket so he can be effective there. And yeah, that this is what I would do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, we might be bearing the lead a little bit. Is that there? There's no point guard on this team that will be able to stay in front of Russ at all. Oh no! Oh no! No no! Or even any perimeter defender that starts. Because are they? Do they start Courtney Lee or who starts at the three for them? Uh, well, in in that particular game, um, they were starting. They were like they, they started with off with a weird lineup with um, probably Doug at the three. Uh-huh. So if they start both Doug and Ramon Session, I think that. Like uh, defense wise, it will be a, uh, a bloodbath. Yeah. Because they, they 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 have no. It will probably be a bloodbath anyway. Um, the risk here is that they they start to trade baskets and they don't care about defense. I think that uh, mm-hmm. that if OKC starts the game with a high defensive level, this game can can be like. 
tragic for New York yeah. because they don't really have n- anyone that can defend on the perimeter. Right. Uh, Tim Hardaway cannot defend anything like Doug. We we know him, mm-hmm. and probably when they they sub in, maybe maybe they start they they will start Courtney Lee, but. Can he handle like a Paul George guy type of guy, like a six eight six nine guy? I I am not sure about that. Yeah, yeah, I think the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably with Paul George. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I this Knicks team is going to be real bad. Like they and they should be. Like they they should be yeah. shooting for a draft pick. Like they've got their pick. Like let like let's just be bad and let's mm. let's rebuild. Um, I think Frank Nilakina is hurt. And he's yeah. out for at least a few weeks. Uh, let's see. I'm not sure. Well, okay, yeah, ahead. I heard like the um, a pod with uh, Jared Dubin uh, at um, it was like the Dunk 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 podcast. Yeah. Uh, so he was saying that Nilikina, yes, he may not be ready for the first few games, but the the severity of the injury is not clear. Mm-hmm. So he most likely will be out, which is which is a bummer because I really wanted to see him guarding like guys like Felton or yeah. or even Russ uh, because he he's really interesting from a defense point of view but in general uh, I think and because they don't have really any point guard that can play at an NBA level so we'll also see uh, Michael Beasley on Thursday night which is always fun (laughs) I like Michael Beasley a lot man he's he's I mean obviously he, he hasn't had the career that he is supposed to have but he's still kind of a fun player Oh yeah, I mean he's a bucket getter, and he will let it fly against OKC, I'm sure. Okay. So it will be fun. Um, let's move on. Saturday night they play the Utah Jazz, followed by a back to back against Minnesota. So they have Utah on the road, then Minnesota at home. Uh, but they play Utah, who is a completely different team this year. They don't no Gordon Hayward, no George Hill. Uh, but you're still going to see a lot of the same stuff from them, I would assume, on offense. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of ball movement. Rudy Gobert, obviously, is going to take on a much bigger role than he has in the past. Uh, and then you'll see Rodney Hood basically in that Hayward role. Uh, but what what have you seen um, out of Utah in the preseason, and what should we look for on Saturday night? So I, I watched like um, a game against the Lakers, which is not maybe the best test uh, available, but it was one one of the few uh, on League Pass, mm-hmm. and I really tried to watch it closely, and I was really really impressed by Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he plays not, not just for the scoring, uh, which has been good, but he plays with a confidence that. I didn't believe that was possible uh, for a rookie uh, in a in a good team like Utah. So um, they will likely uh, bring him off the bench. And in the game I saw, he was basically running the second unit with uh, Joe Johnson and Ingles to help him uh, to help him out. So I think that uh, OKC will struggle a lot when um, both uh, Favors and Gobert will be on the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very interested to see who is guarding Favors, which is probably the the most gifted offensively of the two, and who is guarding Gobert. So that is really interesting to me. I I don't know um, what's best. I have really no clue. And I think... That switching, as they did in the preseason, will help a lot against Utah because they do a lot of screen. Uh, they basically run screens to for like any uh, possession, more than one. Uh, they have simple stuff like 
uh, using Gobert for a screen on the side, uh, who, like um, Rodney Hood and Donovan Mitchell are good on, uh, on dribbling the ball and then taking a, jump shot, a jumper. So they run simple stuff like that, or they run like more complex stuff with dribble and off, like multiple screen. And if you don't switch, I think you can get caught in their in their game. If you switch uh, and if you do it like properly, I think you have a chance to stand always in front of, of your guy and then since they don't have like um, a go-to guy per se, uh, it will be a good technique to, to use against them. Yeah, and the, and the Thunder seem to be switching a lot. Yeah. And so my expectation is that they would do a lot of switching. Uh, Utah is in, really interesting just looking up another roster. Like if Donovan Mitchell really can play, uh, that's a huge deal for them because they're mm-hmm. just so lacking in guys that can score the ball. Uh and also favors, like you said, like he's got a lot of offensive skill. <clears throat> he's been hurt um, for a lot of his career, but he's, if he can be kind of your quote-unquote go-to guy, just because I'm not sure that Rodney Hood's really ready for that, uh, I think that helps them out a lot. But you're right. I don't – like who's who's supposed to de- – how do you defend those two? Uh, my inclination is that you'd put Adams on favors and then you can put a smaller guy on Gobert just because he still is pretty thin. Um, and like you're just watching for the rim run, uh, but who to me like who is that smaller guy in the starting lineup? You know, like I don't know that you want to put Mello on him. Does I mean mm. put Paul George on him? Like I don't, I, I don't know what their tactics going to be. I would assume they're probably going to keep Adams on Gobert and then let let's see what Mello can do against favors. That would be my guess. But what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I really don't know. There, there are, for example, if you put a smaller guy on Gobert, uh, they will kill you on the on the glass. Um, right. Yes, you can you can you can use uh, like the technique you used last year. So you have like Russell Westbrook uh, basically leaving Rubio wherever he wants to be and park him like close to the basket so that he can help uh, rebounding. Uh, this could be a way to mitigate the the, the rebound gap. Um, so if you want to like to keep up with the rebounds, you either do what I just said or you put Adams on, on Gobert. But if you do that, I think that um, Melo will struggle a lot against the favors because he's too physical. So again, as they did for Millsap in Denver, the wiser choice to me is always to put Paul George on um like on a threat offensively at the four. Mm-hmm. And you have Melo guarding either one of the other guy, maybe Joe, Joe Ingles, which, yes, he can handle the ball, so he, probably Melo has to keep up with him. But he, he's not like that good as an offensive as an offensive player that right. can, Melo cannot guard him. So I, I would do that. So Paul George on favors and probably Adam Sungobert uh, because you really want to limit uh, Gobert by, from the beginning. And maybe... He, like he, like Adams is very physical, so frustrate him a little bit uh, on defense is always um, a good thing to do. Yeah, and, and I hope that they start by trying to stretch Mello out a lot to see if mm-hmm. he can get the two big lineup off the floor. Because yeah. because I think that the Thunder could really kill them if they're trying to play everybody out, trying to play you know three out with Adams as your rim runner. Um, I think he could really really kill this team that way. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Robertson's role against this exactly. team is too. Because is he going to guard Rodney Hood? Like Rodney Hood's good, um, but it still doesn't feel like the best use of of him. So, like to me, this is a great game to have Alex Sabrinas out there and just spread it out and just completely just kill their game plan with the 
with playing big and slow and the Thunder try to play with pace and shoot a lot of threes. And I think that they could kind of bury this team easily that way. Yeah, one other thing that I uh, um, I didn't uh, see see that uh, in preseason games, but if you have a guy like Rubio, you can play Robertson on him and use it as free safety. Mm-hmm. So giving the Robertson treatment to another guy uh, with Robertson itself, so himself, so uh, and maybe putting um, uh, Russell on, on Rodney Hood. Yeah. So uh, that could be interesting, especially if you want to um, to play the passing lane against Utah. Mm-hmm. So you really leave Rubio with space and you use Robertson to defend him while he's driving, which is good. But if he's parked in a corner, uh, that will happen because Rubio will not have the ball uh, all the time because Utah has other ball handlers. So in that case, you can use Robertson as a free safety and try to disrupt action with double teams and stuff like that. So I, I'm curious to see if they will use him that way. I never saw that from Billy, so it's hard to to believe it, but I think it's interesting at least to, to consider. Yeah. My guess is that Russ will play that free safety role and then mm-hmm. they'll let him play the passing lanes. Because you're right, Billy doesn't like to, to do that with Robertson, that they mostly use Robertson as your like on ball guy. And if, mm-hmm. if they're not going to do switches, it's because Robertson is on, you know, whoever it is, Rodney hood, or maybe Donovan Mitchell at times or mm-hmm. whoever it is. And that, that would, I, that would be my guess as to, as to what they'll do. Uh, I think that Ricky Rubio might be like the worst point guard to try to run this offense because like they have no, there's like not a ton of good spacing and you're right, mm. you can leave him. I like Ricky Rubio. Like, I think he's a good player. I just kind of, I feel a little bit bad for him that he hasn't really ever been with a team that, like, can run and gun. And he's got shooters all around. And, like, now he finds himself on, like, this kind of clunky Utah offense that, I mean, they're going to pass the ball a ton like they always do. Um, but I just don't know how they're going to get a ton of great shots this season with that starting unit just because Ricky Rubio, you're right, you can leave him. I mean, he's and he's had a few good months here and there of shooting mm-hmm. the ball, but consistently, like he just hasn't been able to do it. And they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna really miss George Hill. George Hill was so perfect for for their offense. Uh, and Rubio's fun, but I just I, I feel a little bit bad for for Ricky just because he's never really found the right team for him. Yeah, one thing that he could benefit is the fact that Utah has good screeners. Yeah, and so he will use those screen in a in a, in a good way. Um, he can really find passing angles that are incredible if if you give him space. So yes, he will probably be a problem in terms of spacing, especially with some unit. Uh, but if Donovan Mitchell can be like part of what we see in the preseason, then this becomes really, really interesting because then you you can maybe sub out um, a guy like um, Favors and put in Joe Johnson. Um, You can put... Donovan Mitchell instead of um, Joe Ingles and play, or instead of Rodney Hood and play all ball handlers uh, with just the one guy in Gobert being your anchor, and then spacing becomes less of a problem because you have three good shooters and a very good uh, screener in Gobert, and maybe that way you can mitigate the effect of the uh, of Rubio's shooting or, or non-shooting. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense, uh, and if. I think that we should see a little bit of Nick Collison in here. If not, then you'll see that they're kind of committed to playing this positionless basketball and just trying to, mm-hmm. to make it work. 
and they'll have to do it against this team, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who they play on a back-to-back Sunday night uh, here in Oklahoma City. So this team is obviously very interesting, um, Mm -hmm. adding Jimmy Butler and Todd Gibson and... um, they're they're very interesting and they've they're similar to OKC in that they've got a lot of stuff to figure out. Like I don't know yeah. what their offense really will look like. Uh, I think that you'll want to give a majority of touches to Towns, but obviously you have Andrew Wiggins still there and Jimmy Butler, like I said, and you know where does Jeff Teague fit into this? I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting things about this team and. Uh, they'll they're going to play big too. Tom Thibodeau yep. loves to play big. You have uh, Gorgie Jang, who's a, like a good player coming off the bench for them, and he's big. Uh, so it'll be interesting. What are what are some things to watch for on on Sunday night against Minnesota? Well, I think that the most interesting thing is how Wiggins and Butler will go uh, will play together mm-hmm. because they. This was one of the like the narrative or uh, the thing to watch for them in the preseason, and I don't think that um, we've seen enough uh, meaningful basketball because they play in China. Yeah. They were jet lagged for the first time, the second time like the Warriors were doing Warriors things, so you cannot really judge. Um, I think that they are very very interesting and. And um, uh, I would try, since now they, they know that they will have Wiggins for five years, to, to try to shape uh, Wiggins as the player that they need. I think uh, Andrew can be a very, very good player if you give him less dribble jumper, uh, kind of like Melo. Uh, he's a good spot-up shooter. He has a good mechanics. He, he can jump off two feet in a quick way. And if you... If you really um, cut off the, the dribble jumpers and the, the mid-range and you let him like uh, use spot-up situation when he's in the starting unit and maybe using more as a ball handler with the second unit, then I think you, you're, you're making yourself a favor because he, he can be effective that way and, and he can be content because he will have a bigger role maybe in the, uh, with the second unit. And the second thing to watch is to see what... Uh, what Towns is uh, on defense because I was really high on him after college because he was playing defense yeah. uh, in the first season he was playing good defense with Garnett teaching him and then last season he completely dropped off like for mainly no reason so there was no reason to uh, to to have that that drop uh, and so I'm really curious to see if he's if it was like a, an aberration because he was trying to to learn um, like the new rules against um, under tips and stuff like that or if if he's not the player I thought he would be I I, I thought he was uh, he, he had the opportunity to be one of the best defensive center in the league mm-hmm. because of the verticality, because of the fact that uh, he, w- he had like a very, very good timing in college for blocks and stuff like that. So again, I, I, I'm really curious to see which version of Towns we will have on the defensive end. Offensively, I'm sure he will be unbelievable. Yeah, he always kills Adams on offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how Adams does against him because I feel like Adams has made some progress over the summer on his game and feels a little bit more free with these other stars on the floor. So it'd be interesting to see if that helps him at all um, on the defensive end against Towns, but excuse me, uh, Towns just is going to continue to get better. So I would always expect this to be something that he struggles with. Uh, So it's, it's going to be 
this team is really fun and it's really the biggest it'll be a big test for the thunder one yes. because it's on a back-to-back and two because like this Timberwolves team has extraordinary talent uh i think what will help the thunder is that they have a ton of inexperience um on this team and they have a lot yeah. of new parts and i think that the thunder just talent wise can kind of overpower them a little bit and if they can get into some good sets or if they can get hot from three or somebody off the bench can come off, you know, come in and be hot from three, then I think they can put them away pretty quick. Um, but I expect this to be a close game. And oh, yeah. this could even be the, the, you know, the first loss for OKC of the season. Um, just because I think that Towns can be overpowering and Jimmy Butler is obviously a, you know, all NBA type of player. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how. Paul George fits in with the offense against this team in particular to me, just because I think that they do have potential to be a good defensive team. They haven't been, you know, the past couple of years, like you look at their pieces, you look at Townsend and and Wiggins, and now you have Jimmy Butler and you've got Taj Gibson. You have, you know, Jeff Teague, who has at least fit in on a good defense in the past. And you're like, Oh, like there's the pieces are here and you have Tom Thibodeau, uh, but nothing clicked on defense last season. I mean, it was yes. really, really bad for them. And like, that should be like a big warning sign <laughs> to the Timberwolves organization. Like what is going on here? Um, but maybe Jimmy Butler and Todd Gibson can kind of spur on something within this team uh, to get them, you know, going on the defensive end. But my guess is that it's going to take some time for the offense and the defense um, for this team. So, um, but again, a big test for, for OKC, you know, on, on a Sunday night. And I, I don't know if they're wearing their new jerseys against this team or not. Cause this is like the sunset Sunday, like spot mm-hmm. for them. I hope we get to see those new jerseys. Cause those are really oh, they, cool. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, another thing that I'm thinking, uh, and I, and I, I can, I don't have like, um, I'm a clear idea on that. Uh, who, the, the matchup defensively uh, for Minnesota against OKC are really interesting because if I were Tibbs, I would slide Jeff Teague immediately on Robertson mm-hmm. and, and try to put Jimmy Butler on uh, on, on Russ, yes, and then try to to guard. Uh, maybe try to put uh, Wiggins on Paul George, which is not ideal. Uh, and then, yeah, Taj can guard like smaller guys. So probably would be Taj against Melo. Yeah. And, and then you have um, Towns against Adams. I really think that if Robertson cannot exploit uh, Jeff Teague using cuts, using uh, screen, uh, screens and stuff, and um, like basically uh, uh, making him switch on a good player, I think that this could be a problem for OKC. Because if you, if you don't exploit Teague's size, uh, you may be in trouble. Uh, because the other guys will hold, uh, at least uh, they will hold um, like our offense honest. So um, it will be really interesting to see if Robertson can play up to, to what we saw, for example, against Denver, where he was actually screening and moving a lot. So if right. you if you can exploit that quick link in Minnesota's defense, then I think that you force them to make choices uh, and you can get a... Um, um, at least an advantage uh, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm. This is just going to be such an intriguing start to the season, just because you have all these new pieces and how is Billy going to mix and match? You know, who's playing the tenth spot or does it? Does he play like twelve guys, which is also a possibility for Billy Donovan because he just likes to play a lot of guys. Um, 
you know, who's the first guy off the bench? I would expect it to be like a Brinus or Patterson, somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's surprised us in the past. Uh, does Collison play? There's just a lot of question marks going into this. Is you know, does yes. Josh Hughes has touched the floor at all? You know, do they make some weird move and let Dakari Johnson on the floor? Uh, I sure hope not because I don't. Yeah. I think Dakari is so bad, man. Like I just don't. Some people are like, well, is he going to play backup center? I was like, no, no, no. He's just not that good. He's bad. Yeah. He, he has to work on his on his feet because uh, he's he's too slow. Uh, at least now, I, I I think he has good chance to be like a like a standstill player, like defensively. So he's very, he's vertical. Yeah. So he can he, he occupies uh, like a, a vertical space. So he, he and he he's not like. Um, I mean, uh, what I'm trying to say is that he he can he knows where to be, but mm-hmm. th- he will not be able to do to, to switch on smaller guys. And if you if you if your whole defense is based on is based on switching, switching, and then uh, you, you play a guy like that, the flow will be completely disrupted on defense. So I uh, I'm not sure it makes sense. Uh, I would rather lose some game at the beginning, um, and. Try to implement the the defense with a smaller second unit yeah. and consolidate that rather than try to, to to put a patch and put a guy with that is tall just because he's seven foot. Right. Uh, he's a seven footer. So yeah, I will not play him at least not at the be- uh, the beginning of the season. Which, to me, it makes no sense. Yeah, that's where Collison should play. Like if yeah. they, like if they're going to be committed to playing a big guy, uh, it should be Nick Collison. And also, I think that something that maybe we've overlooked a little bit is that Steven Adams should play a lot more than he has in the past. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I think that that overall is a really good thing for this team because defensively, I think he's going to be a monster. I think he's better offensively than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, you know, he's 24 years old now, so he's not like a really young guy anymore. He's got a lot of NBA experience. Um, so I think you kind of look for Steven Adams to take on a bigger role overall and to play a lot more. Um, You know, you're going to see him playing probably 35 ish minutes this season. That's something that, you know, he hadn't played more than 29.9 was his career high last season. Uh, And a lot of that is because you had to play Kaner. Like you had to, you had to find minutes for Ennis Kaner because he is that good. Uh, but now they don't have a backup center. Like they just don't, they don't really have one. And so I think you can play Adams 35 minutes a game. And I just think that's going to be really helpful to OKC. And then I think that the rest of it, you can just patch together and, you know, make it work just because there's not a lot of big guys that you have to defend, you know, on the other side, you know, as a second unit anyways. So um, it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, but I, I would look for more Stephen Adams in general. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stephen always had uh, a stamina problem because he plays so hard that yeah. it's hard to ask him to play like 38, 39. But I think if he pushes around 35, as you said, there are like just 13 minutes uh, to be covered. And so if you have like, you can ask Jeremy Grant to be effective for six to to eight minutes at the um, at the center spot, mm-hmm. and I think you can ask the same to to Patterson or even to use this in some weird lineups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you can get like. 10 minutes of quality Jeremy Grant and then 5 to 10 minutes of quality Eustace uh, and having Patterson out there that, that 
helps you with uh, with uh, like like he's a veteran so you know he, he knows how to play he, he's a good defender and he will not be able probably to hold um, against like very good post defend post players mm-hmm. but uh, if you really can use those two guys uh, all their energy to to hold their their own I think you have um, you can have a good defense in the in the second unit and against Denver again which actually looked like a, a regular season game for most of the uh, most yeah. of the time I think they succeeded on doing that mm-hmm. uh, even without Patterson on the floor so I'm, I'm mildly optimistic that both Jeremy and Eustace can play that role for a limited time and uh, if they if they train during the season to do so I think that coming playoffs time uh, it will be in- immensely helpful to have those players with experience to play against fives and um yeah, so it is a good, even if you, it costs you maybe a few losses here and there, I think it's a good way to, to use their uh, their time on the floor. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And Patterson as well. Like, have all those guys guard, you know, bigs and smalls and switch and all that stuff because what really matters is the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. how are they going to defend, you know, Houston? How are they going to defend Golden State? And I think that you're right, investing now into these guys. And some people are like, well, they've got to get another traditional big in there. Well, here's the deal. Like, they're they're not going to play against, you know, these teams in the playoffs. Like, that would just be a regular season thing. Um, and I think that preparing these other guys to play multiple positions and play up a position, um, I, I think that that will be helpful. And some people are like, well, we got to go get a big... To me, I feel like the Thunder could even use another wing that's reliable because we don't know that Josh Eustace, we don't know if Jeremy Grant or um, like Ferguson, like we don't know if any of those guys can like play like real playoff minutes um, mm. against like elite teams. Like we just don't... I don't know. Like those are all question marks to me. And so I would be apt to bring in like another wing if, if another guy comes available. That's why I thought Richard Jefferson was at least mildly interesting. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. Yeah. That's, that's why I don't think the thunder are really even looking at him. I don't think that that will happen, but I think that's to me, that's why he's like even mildly interesting is that he's a, a wing that can come out there and maybe hit a shot and, you know, hold up on defense for at least a few minutes. Um, so, but I would expect that roster spot to be open. And like you said, I, I think that giving those smaller guys minutes as bigs um, will pay dividends later on. And once they get the offense that they want kind of running, I think that it'll also pay off then. Um, but yeah. but it, could be, it could be really kind of bumpy against these first guys. And if you even look beyond like Indiana on Wednesday – next Wednesday, uh, and Indiana plays big too. And then you get Minnesota again, and then you get a break with Chicago, and then you get Milwaukee, um, then you have Boston the next, I mean, like the, it's going to be, they've got a lot to figure out, um, in these first few weeks and seeing the big rotation, seeing how they kind of stagger the lineup, seeing who's playing off the bench are all really good things to watch for. So yeah. Uh, anything else that you want to touch on before we go? No, I think uh, we cover a lot of ground. I'm very excited to see if uh, our predictions are correct. I do hope so. And uh, yeah, so we have a few days to wait, and then it will be fun time. Yeah, you have a you have a record prediction before we go on these first three games. Oh, uh, I I think two two win one loss could be acceptable, but I. I think this could happen just because of the two games on a back-to-back. Yeah. 
That would be me too. I think that they they could very well lose to Minnesota on Sunday night, um, just on a back to back. And the good thing is that it's not that far. Utah is not incredibly far from Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. so it's not like a crazy flight or anything like that. But um, I think if you know Towns is on that night, and if they can get any three point shooting, I think it's going to be tough against Minnesota. Uh, I think it's okay to expect three and zero Thunder fans, but uh, oh, yeah. I'm tempering my expectations with a two and one start, which I also think is is good. This team has a lot to figure out, um, and to me, I would rather them continue to try to figure it out and try to implement you know good sets and a lot of off ball screening and you know implement the right defense rather than just trying to you know plug and play kind of with this team i think that that they need to invest as much as they can into this team and into the offense and stuff like that and in the at the beginning of the season so that they can be an elite team come the playoffs so um two and one is my prediction uh Michele, thanks for coming on the show today we can follow you on twitter at mikey barra we can also follow your project on twitter at chart underscore side really cool stuff that they have going on there uh, you can follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. Uh, I will be at the game on Thursday night, which I'm super pumped about. So, um, look for coverage on dailythunder.com from me that night. Uh, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Wednesday.